Good morning. We've uh, pushed you all to the back because we have uh, baptism this week, and so when the baptism takes place, all the kids will come in and fill in the, the seats in front of us. Uh, we've been working through a series called uh, Winning at Work, and I'll start talking about uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I went to a small school, and so uh, I made the football team, and you could actually think you were good because it was such a small school that uh, only one guy had to get hurt, and then I got to start. And uh, so at the end of this, this particular uh, season of my JV year, uh, they had the sports banquet, and uh, the coach uh, said something that I actually didn't know what he meant until the kids teased me about it the next day. But he said, yeah, Chris was kind of like our, he was like our all-around man. Uh, he was a real leader on the team. And so, of course, the next day, everybody teases you about what coach said. Um, and so... As I looked back at that, I was never actually trying to be a leader. I just loved football. I loved football. I wanted to win. I wanted the guys to uh, do as best we could to be able to play. And so uh, it turns out that's what turned into leadership. And I wonder about you. When you go to work, do you know that you lead? Did you know that when you go to work, you lead? And, and as we talk about this today, I want you to wipe your mind of something that's really common, and that's don't ask if you are a leader. Don't ask if you have the qualifications of a leader. Don't ask, okay, are you the leadership type? That's not actually helpful. The question is, do you do what leaders do? Do you do what leaders do? And, and as a leader, where are you leading people to? So I've just got a few minutes. Uh, it seems uh, as soon as I start talking, they'll start walking through that door. And so we're going to work through these fairly quickly. You can pull out your notes. We won't fill in all of the blanks, but we'll have a good time with what we're talking about. So uh, each week we've been talking, uh, started with this idea, buy the truth and do not sell it. This is an investment idea. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom and instruction and insight as well. So usually you uh, buy low, sell high. When it comes to truth, it doesn't matter where you buy it. Do not sell it. Hang on to it. And a little bit of what we're going to talk about today is some truth that you can buy and not sell. We're going to jump in with um, the nation of Israel. And this was actually from the book of Micah. He's a prophet. And the nation of Israel is actually about to be, uh, a judgment is to be pronounced upon them. And in this process... Uh, God says to, to the nation of Israel, look, this is what I told you. I told you clearly what was expected of you. That's part of leadership, by the way, is that you clearly communicate what's expected. And he says, I clearly told you what was expected of you. And that's what this verse is. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, what does the Lord require of you? These three things, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Before we jump into those three things, it's very important that you understand that you and you alone decide who is your God. It says to act or uh, walk humbly with your God. No one can tell you who you'll worship. No one can make you worship someone. This is your decision. You cannot blame your parents for this. 
You cannot blame your roommate for this. You can't blame your spouse for this. Whoever your God is that you walk with, you chose that person. That's your God. Like, well, I didn't know. I wish they told me this beforehand. I say that all the time. Oh, I wish they had told me this when I was in college. They probably did. I just wasn't listening. With this decision, your God is your choice. So as you think through the leadership part of it, it's going to come back to that time and time again. Uh, this idea that these three things are leadership things. This is how you lead well. He goes on to say, or uh, next we want to say this, your work is a means of expressing worship to God. Your work is a means of expressing worship to God. This passage, I think, has shown up in every one of the messages on winning to work. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That was our first message. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That's where joy comes from, giving your whole heart to something. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Like, who's your boss? Who do you worship? Who do you follow? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Here's a big idea for today. Whoever you worship, that's where you lead from and that's where you lead to. Whatever is the most important to you, the, the person or the thing that you think is valuable, is wise, will actually be productive, the thing that you think or person that you think is worth following, that's where you lead. That's the kind of leader you are. In Proverbs, it says this, whoever heeds discipline, whoever listens to discipline, shows the way to life. Whoever thinks that discipline or God's way is the way that they want to follow, then you lead people to life. At work, when you are like, wait a minute, God is my God. That's the one I'm going to walk with. That's where you lead people. The second half is the opposite. But whoever ignores correction, whoever thinks, no, there's something else worth worshiping. I know that Bible stuff and that God stuff and all that thing. Yeah, that's great. It's great for church. It's great for my kids. It's great for my grandma, right? But I'm in business. I got to operate on a different set of principles. You lead too. And maybe you're like, well, I'm not actually the head of the company. I'm just, uh, I, I, I sweep. You lead too. Oftentimes we think that the person, and some of you might be this person. Some of you might be, yeah, I'm a leader. I know my mission and I know my vision and I know uh, my strategy and I got this giant flow chart all laid out. I'm a leader. I'm leading people down this road. Well, what God says is, okay, while you're doing that, if you heed or worship God, that comes out and you lead people that way. If you ignore that, then you're going to lead people toward death. And others of you go, I don't even know what a flowchart is. I, what's a flowchart? You lead people too. Great leadership is not from your position. It's from who you are and who you worship. And so you influence people where you are. So we're going to take a look at those three things we hit earlier, three ways to worship at work. 
The first one is be humble. Walk humbly with your God. Who's your God? That's a question for you to answer. We're going to, you're going to see baptism today. You're going to see people tell their stories. They're going to talk about how they used to worship some other things, but they've chosen Jesus to be their God. It's your call who you worship. Be humble. Walk humbly with your God. This is the antidote to pride and entitlement. It's the antidote to pride and entitlement. Humble people are happy people. Humble people are happy people. Proud people and entitled people are miserable. If you live somewhere where you have a very nice hut with a very nice hard dirt floor and you're humble, you're happy. You're grateful for that hut. If you have pride and entitlement, you hate the hut. And you hate everybody else who has something better than a hut. If you live on Fifth Avenue and you have a penthouse and you're humble, you're so grateful for the hump for that. But if you're full of pride and entitlement, you're miserable. It's amazing, right? It doesn't matter how much you have. It's what you, this pride or humility. The Bible says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. It's just a warning. Just so you know. As you lead with pride, disgrace is coming. It's coming. But with humility comes wisdom. You're able to learn, grow, and that's the way that you lead. So how do I move from pride and entitlement? This is how you know you're entitled. You hate your job. If you hate your job, there's a really good chance you're entitled. You think you deserve something better. Where'd you get that idea from? I get it whenever I watch somebody who has something better than I've got. He doesn't have a pink shirt like I do. How come he's got that job? He didn't, how come? It's this entitlement that kind of breeds in there. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. With humility comes wisdom. I must be aware. How do I move from one to the other? I must be aware of the disgrace of my old nature. I have to be aware of what I actually deserve. That's what baptism is a lot about. When someone comes to a place in their life where they realize, if I was totally in charge of my life, oh wait, I am in charge of my life. And the reason that my life is where it is is because of me. The problem, the biggest problem I have in my life is me. It's not just that I commit acts of sin. We, call them, we often like to call them mistakes, but they're oftentimes acts of sin. I, I knew the right thing to do. I just chose not to. I knew the loving thing to do. I just chose not to. So, it's not just that I do those things. It's who I am. I choose them repeatedly. So what do I deserve? Well, the Bible says that we deserve death. Not a better job. The Bible says we deserve punishment. Not to be glorified and be, wow, you're amazing. But for the 
folks that take the step of baptism, it usually doesn't have to do with work. It usually has to do with their own personal life. And they look in the mirror and they realize, I need a savior. I realize if I die today with who I am, I'm not going to heaven. I realize it's right, it's just that I don't go to heaven because I'm going to be honest. I'm looking in the mirror and see who I am. I don't deserve. You know what that creates? Humility. It's the opposite of entitlement. So I must be aware of the, the disgrace, but I also must be aware of the grace which I have a new nature. In other words, that Jesus died in my place. The picture of baptism is that Jesus took you and your sin, and he put it on the cross. And instead of you having to die, he died in your place. And he paid for all of your sin. And he actually promises to give you a new nature, a new heart, become a new person on the inside. And you raise to life a new person. But you see, all of that is a gift. All of it is a gift. I don't deserve my job. It's a gift. I don't deserve to be forgiven. It's a gift. And when you walk into your job and you treat your job like it's a gift, there's a good chance you're going to be the only person in your company that does that. When you walk into your job humbly, meaning this is not about me. I'm here to serve the one I worship. You don't ever have to speak the name of Jesus or speak God's name and people are going to be like first they're going to go what do you want like <laughs> stuff's good like what is that and then they're going to be like wait and you know what happens at that moment leadership you lead them somewhere not because you had a plan and you needed them to change and you had this idea how you could get them to do what you wanted to do or change the way God wanted them to change. No, 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 no. You're not actually focused on trying to change people. You're focused on the person that you worship. And therefore, you actually impact people. You influence people. Number two. We're gonna, uh, yeah. Number two is that you care for people or you love mercy with your God. This is a really important part. You care for people with your God. You do it out of a relationship with your God. You do it worshiping your God, and you care for people. Now, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, in my job, if it wasn't for people, I'd have a great job. I'd have a great job. But you guys get in the way. Actually, you're the opportunity, aren't you? And whenever it comes to loving people, they do look like obstacles, which is this incredible opportunity to love those people. And when you worship God, you think God's values, you think that what God has to say is the most important thing, then you, then you ask yourself, what did God do? Well, God said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I came not to be served, but to serve. He even says this in, in, in Romans. Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up here. This is the antidote for greed and selfishness. It's the antidote for greed and selfishness. Let no man, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. 
For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Let no debt remain outstanding except continuing to love one another. This principle may be brand new for you. You may, you may not know this principle. You may have never experienced it. If you ever grab a hold of it, it changes your life. It dramatically changes your life. If you find that loving people is really hard, it's because you don't get this principle. You see, what the Bible says is that when I walk into a room, and if you're a believer, if you walk into a room, all the other people in that room, you owe them your love. You owe them your love. Why? Because you've been so loved. If you walk into a room of people who don't have what they need, and someone has given you $10 billion, God thinks you owe them to care for them. But he does it in terms of love. And so once you realize, wait, 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 I owe them love. When you go to work and you love someone and God is the one you worship, you haven't done something amazing. You don't get to come home and tell your wife, I love this person today. Pat me on the back, please. Pat me on the back. I love them. I love this person. They're not good people. And I love them. I'm amazing. No, 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 you're not. You're not amazing. You owed that to them. That's what the Bible teaches. Once you grab a hold of that principle and that God is the one you worship and he's your boss, loving people is not so hard. It's what you do. Number three is that you react, you react to God, not circumstances or people. You react to God, not to circumstances or people. Some of you may be amazing at work and you may be called an amazing leader because of your ability to walk into a situation and make decisions based on the circumstances at hand. And you did it for years. And then it all went bad. You know what happened? When you make those decisions, you looked really wise and you looked really smart because you could move things around and make them still work even though it, to everybody else it looked like it couldn't work. But in the meantime, you lost your integrity. In other words, you didn't do the really hard thing and make the really hard choice. You said, in this situation, this is what we're going to do. In your home finances, it works like this. The credit card comes. The bill comes. You had planned on going on vacation in a month. And the only way you should really go on vacation, I mean, the only way you should really take care of this is pay the bill and not go on vacation. But you didn't. You figured out a way to get another credit card. And you put the vacation on another credit card. And everybody's happy. I mean, vacation was awesome. It was incredible. You loved it. You had this incredible time. But now it's three months and four months later, and now you've got two credit cards you can't pay off. What happened? You didn't have integrity. You didn't act justly. See, this is the antidote for selling out your convictions. Leadership 
is when you follow what God says is right, even though it's really going to hurt at that time. That's what it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Listen to this next one. The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life. That's you at work when you choose to worship God at work. You become the tree of life. They might be really ticked off at you the first six months. That doesn't mean you're not bringing life into their, into their lives. And the one who is wise saves lives. So, who do you worship? Who's your God? Not just here at church, but at, home, at work. Who is your God at work? Who's your boss at work? Jesus wants to be your boss. He wants to be the one who pours so much love into you and so much wisdom into you and so much integrity into you. That at work, over time, you have this incredible impact that other people's lives, you don't even know it. I really believe this will happen. If you do this, when you get to heaven, there's going to be this banquet, and God's going to stand up and go, you were an amazing leader. And you're going to be like, when did I lead? I don't understand. I was a janitor all my life. When did I lead? I don't get it. That's right. Because you were so busy worshiping your God by acting justly, loving others, humbly walking with your God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your word's amazing, your principle's amazing. Lord, I want to pray for those who are in leadership positions, those who are CEOs or managers or they're leaders in their position. Jesus, I ask that they would be able to this morning look you in the eye, look themselves in the eye and be able to go, okay, I'm going to move my worship from myself or people or organizations to you. I'm going to lead out of my relationship with you. Then, Lord, I want to pray for those who think they're not leaders at all. They think they, because they have no position of leadership. Lord, would you this morning, would you please speak into their hearts? Would you tell them they have just as much opportunity to impact the people around them as the boss of the bosses? Lord, would you help them, give them the courage to walk into work, not to prove they're leaders, but to follow you and know you've promised they will lead. In your name we pray. Amen.